take your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalms again, 73rd chapter, Psalm 73. Well, today we're going to continue in our study through the, the book of Psalms. This is our 11th message, I believe, and we've taken the thought of this is my story, this is my psalm. We're trying to learn a little bit more about each psalm, and I believe this is the first of the psalms that we've looked at that the author is this man named Asaph. Asaph. Now, there are a few men in the Bible named Asaph, but we believe this man, it's referring to a man that was a Levite, and he was one of David's chief musicians. And there are 12 psalms attributed to him uh, in in the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalm 50, and then Psalm 73 through 83, uh, all attributed to this man, Asaph. Now, when I read Psalm 73, in fact, I was drawn to it as I was reading through several different psalms. I was drawn to this one because of of the sincerity and honesty. Not that none of the other psalms are sincere and honest, but this is a man's words here at the beginning, him sharing his heart, and he's opening himself up to us. And I believe he's opening himself up in a way that is very applicable to most of us in here. Uh, of course, all of the Psalms and all of the Scripture are honest, uh, are good, are sincere. They're all inspired by God. And, uh, but some of the Psalms can get to us to the, the real situations and the real people behind those situations that learn to give praise to God even in difficult times. Even in times when they, as we'll see with Asaph, are going through some doubting times. And that's where Asaph is at in this, in this psalm. Uh, notice with me the very first verse. I really look at this as a premise or an introduction to what he's about ready to get into, that he's wanting to assure us that he believes this. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are clean of a clean heart. Well, that's a good statement, opening statement, isn't it? God is good to Israel. Um, I, I preached a message on Tuesday up at Heartland, or down at Heartland Baptist College, and I've preached it here before, and it's a, a message that I entitled, Why is God Late? And when I give that message, sometimes I get raised eyebrows, like, wait a minute, God, what do you mean God's late? And I use the passage in John chapter 11 where, where Martha and Mary send word to Jesus about their brother Lazarus who is ill. And Jesus delays his coming by four days. And, uh, and, and so by the time he gets there, Lazarus has already been dead and, and, and has died already. And, but there were lessons that were taught during that time. There was growth during that time. There was an opportunity for a miracle. And so there were reasons why God was late. And we made some applications why God is late. And so I give a premise to that message oftentimes because someone might hear the title and think, whoa, this guy's way off base. I think if we read Psalm 73 and we didn't get this premise from, uh, uh, from Asaph of God is truly good uh, to Israel and even to such that are of clean heart, and then you get through verses one through, or 2 through 16, you would say, boy, this guy's a complainer. This guy is not trusting God. This guy is not believing in God. 
And he does believe in God. He's just going to be honest with you with about his feelings for a bit. Now, I think all of us could say today, could proclaim today, God is good. Do you agree with that today? Can you agree with this? God's been good to you? Better to you than you deserve? Yeah. In fact, I've said it this way many times. If God never blessed Mark Carpenter one more time in my entire life, he's already blessed me far more than I ever deserve. If I just had tragedy after tragedy after tragedy the rest of my life, God's already blessed me more with more than I deserve. God is good. And so be careful, church, about our feelings. Living by feelings and not living by faith. And don't let our feelings dictate your life. Feelings are connected to your heart. And let me make this statement today. You cannot trust your heart. I said it. And by the way, that's Bible. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse number 9 says, The heart is desperately wicked. It's deceitful. Who can know it? Don't trust your heart. Several years ago, I was driving down the highway, getting ready to go under a bridge that was going over that highway and had the the big uh, pillars coming down and someone had spray painted graffiti on that on that banner and so or that 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 pillar. And so as I was driving by, I looked over and it said, follow your heart. I wanted to go to the next exit and buy some spray paint and come back and add my graffiti and add, do not follow your heart. Do not trust your heart. The heart is wicked, and that's where our feelings are connected to. You've got to be careful, church. Don't just follow after feelings, but follow after facts, the facts that we receive from God's Word. So as we go through verses 2 through 16, you're going to see, as Asaph shares with us, the doubts he was struggling with. I'm going to read those verses and not make a lengthy comment on them, but I want you to see what he was going through, what he was struggling with. Notice in verse number 2. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compassed them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression, they speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongues walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold thou, excuse me, behold I should offend against the generation of thy children When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. If I were to summarize 
Asaph's doubts in these 15 verses, verses 2 through 16, I would say he is saying this. Why do the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper? That's what he's talking about. Look at verse 3. I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now, how many of us have ever wondered or perhaps questioned God about death, disease, difficulties? Uh, Whether in my life or someone else's life, we say, why, God? Why did you take them? Why do they have to go through and you name the disease? Why are they, that family, or why am I struggling again? We have questioned God or perhaps even struggled with the jealousy, envy of those of the so-called good life of those that are far from God. Their wealth, their pleasure, their possessions. And so Asaph's getting real with us. And we see his doubts and concerns. We could break down all of those verses and share various aspects of them. We don't have time for that this morning. And, and again, we get the, the basic summarization of the righteous suffer, the wicked prosper. Why is that? Why God? And he's struggling with it. I take you to verse number 16 again. He says, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Now, I think the greatest part of that verse is that it doesn't end with a period. It doesn't complete his thought. And it takes us to this next aspect of what we're going to learn. These are the doubts. These are the concerns. These are the struggles of this man, Asaph. But then it brings us to this point in time of how he's going to deal with those doubts. It begins, first of all, with Asaph's duty. Notice in verse number 17, again, continuing the thought of when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. Now, you may be one that struggles with doubts, or has struggled with doubt, you may be in that point in time right now. In a crowd like ours today, certainly there are people going through difficulties, trials, some that are known, some that are not known. I've made this statement many times that we're either in a trial, just coming out of a trial, or getting ready to go through a trial. Trials and difficulties are a part of this life. And when we respond to them in the right way, we can learn from these things. Here's the struggle that Asaph has shared with us, and here's the first uh, glimpse in how we get out of these struggles, how we get out of this time of doubt, and it's all about our duty. It's all about our service. Asaph is a Levite, and his duty, his calling, his ministry was to serve in the sanctuary of God. He was to be in there serving. He had a task. And what we learn about Asaph is he was one of David's chief musicians. He was one of David's song leaders. He was a choir director. He was an orchestra. He was involved in some form of music ministry in the sanctuary. It was his duty. It was his calling. 
And you notice that when Asaph gets back to doing what he's supposed to be doing, that you start seeing peace come through his response now. You start seeing him respond properly. You start seeing him seeing things the way that he should. And so I'd encourage you today, church, you ever feel yourself getting sideways with God, with the church, with God's people? Maybe a good place for you to get is right back to where God's called you to be, doing what God's called you to do, being active and involved in the ministry that the Lord has given you, keeping your eyes on God. And so Asaph consider, or re, or remembered his duty, and he, he became active in there, and God begins to give him some direction. You'll notice now in verses 18 through 22, as he's now getting this light and direction, Asaph considers destiny. He's gone from doubt to duty, and now he's going to consider destiny. Notice verse 18, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with tears. As a dream, when one awakest, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved. And I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was a beast before thee. We see the destiny. Surely, verse 18, thou didst set them in slippery places, castest them down to destruction. Asaph gets in his mind in these verses and his heart off of that which is temporary, the doubts, the struggles he's having, and he starts thinking about things of eternal matters. Eternity is in mind. Church, you remember this, whether you live to be 100 years old or one day old, this life is temporary. It was never intended to be the forever, the eternal and whether you are rich in comparison to this world or you are poor, this life is temporary. We are to live for that which is eternal, not that which is temporal. Notice how this convicted and grieved Asaph in verse number 21. Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked or convicted in my reins. Not because of what he was lacking or what someone else had, but now thinking of eternity, it convicts his heart. It drives him to the thought of this, where are these wicked going to go? Where is their eternity? You may have everything this world can offer, but if you do not have Jesus, you are missing the most important aspect of this life. You can have all the pleasures of this world, but if you do not have Christ today, you are missing the most important aspect of this life. Can you imagine having everything in this world, everything your heart would ever desire, and then to go into an eternity without Jesus Christ, separated from God forever? I'm reminded of Luke chapter number 16 where Jesus gives us the account of a man that we only know as the rich man and a man named Lazarus, a poor beggar. But did you notice that Jesus knew his name? Because he belonged to him. He was one of his. And it is true that there are believers across this world that go through great and difficult sufferings. 
I've been to parts of this world and I've been able to be in churches and other countries of this world of third world nature and even beyond that. And sit in those buildings and in those rooms and in pews or benches next to brothers and sisters in Christ that don't have a tenth of what I have. But they have the most important thing that I have, Jesus Christ. Been in Haiti and sitting, sat with these folks that are in despondent poverty. And I've been in Cape Verde, West Africa, and sat with these believers that have, the, uh, that have Jesus in their heart but do not have a, a tenth of what we have. But they found the most important thing, and that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. That rich man and Lazarus, they both had the same end, didn't they? They both died here on this earth. And they both went out into eternity. Lazarus described that he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom where he would be with, in the presence of God. And this rich man lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment. Oh, can you imagine the culture shock of these individuals? Lazarus died in his, in his poor health, in his poverty, and, and, and the, the sores upon his body, and suddenly left that life into a life of bliss, a life of a perfect life. He, he immediately went from this to that. But then there's that sad, tragic thought of this man, this rich man, that had everything here on this earth, and immediately lifted up his eyes, in hell, being in torments. You realize that man's still there today? Jesus gave that account over 2,000 years ago. And that man is still in hell today, suffering as he is separated from God. Asaph is convicted when he considers the destiny of these individuals that seem to have everything in this life but have missed the most important aspect. This also drives Asaph in our passage of Scripture here in verses 23 through 27 to have a dependence upon God, to rely upon God, to trust God. He says in verse number 23, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. He says, Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory, whom I have in heaven but thee. There is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. Asaph, if we could just uh, uh, summarize these words from verses 23 through 27, he's saying, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to depend upon you. I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to depend on God. I may not have what this world has. I may not have all that the wicked seem to be flourishing in, but I'm going to trust God. I'm in my 52nd year, and I guess that would make me saved for about 46 years now. Got saved as a six-year-old little boy. 46 years, and I cannot think of one time that God has ever failed me. Never. I was talking to my dad the other day, 89 years old, got saved when he was 13 or 14 years old, and all he could do was praise God for his faithfulness and goodness. 
I'm sure I could take the time this morning and ask believers from every section throughout all of our auditorium, and we could not find one person that could say, God has ever failed us. If God has been so faithful in the past, church, you can trust him into your future. We got an election this Tuesday, and I've encouraged you, we've admonished you to do your part to go out and vote for those that have uh, closest to our biblical standards as we can. Whether this election goes in our favor or does not go in our favor, you know who we can trust? We can trust God. Believe God. Keep leaning on him. Keep depending on him. Asaph, he saw this. It led him to doubt. It led him to, uh, uh, to consider then for uh, his, his duty, his destiny, and then to depend upon God. And it ends with this. Look at verse number 28. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. We see again his doubt, his duty. He considers destiny. He considers his dependence. But then there's a declaration that I may declare all thy works. It's like this begins in a pity party and it ends in a praise party. He started off in the doldrums and now he's, he's like, I'm going to go out and declare, I'm going to go out and proclaim the goodness of God. Listen, when you start thinking about the goodness of God and all that he's done for us, it doesn't take you long to come, come, come out of those difficult and trying times. And that's where we find him here. He's gone from this pity party to a praise party. He's going to go out and declare the goodness and the works of God in his life. But that still brings us back to the reality of difficulties. Have you ever wondered... You don't have to raise your hand. I don't want to ask anybody to embarrass yourself here today, although I would think probably all of us, if you're a believer here today, you've, you've had the... Have you ever wondered, is it worth it all? You know, when you, when you feel like you're all by yourself, when if things just don't seem to be going... Have you ever wondered, is it worth it? You ever struggle with that? Let me share a testimony of here with you here in closing today about a, a missionary you probably heard of. He served back in the 19th century in the nation of China. How many of you have ever heard of Hudson Taylor? You know, Hudson Taylor left a, a, a beginning and thriving medical work back in England. He was a doctor. He was in the medical field. He had been successful. He was on a, he was on a track to being very successful in that field. And, and he left it. And no doubt he left it with people saying, what are you doing? You've studied for this. You've prepared for this. And you're going to this, to this far off nation now. What are you doing? Do you realize he went to China and he, he served there for over 50 years? But he had many difficulties while he was there. There was persecution. There, were, uh, uh, there was disease. There was death. He lost his first wife while over there and one of his daughters. Buried them there. He had many difficulties. But in the end, I think Hudson Taylor would say it was worth it all. In those 50 plus years of ministries, he started the China Inland Mission. And that mission continued on for many, many years, and over 800 missionaries followed 
Hudson Taylor to China in the years following, during his ministry and beyond his ministry, 800 missionaries followed him over to China. He established 125 schools through the China Inland Mission, and tens of thousands of people were converted, became believers in Jesus Christ. I read it somewhere once that many believers today in China can trace their heritage back to the China Inland Mission. Even though it's been gone for many years, even though it's been shut down, that work still thrives often in an underground way. I read this, and I don't know if it's true or not. It was listed as anonymous, but I wanted to read it to you. It said that a Chinese gov- the Chinese government had contra- uh, contracted excuse me, an atheist author to write a book about Hudson Taylor to contrast or to fight against what, what, what his story had told people about him, about his faith and about what the work, and to find dirt on him and to, to turn the subject around so that they could be critical of Hudson Taylor. The article went on to say that as this man researched the life of Taylor and began reading more and more about it, that he became convicted in his own life in comparison to Taylor's life and eventually recanted atheism and became a follower of Jesus Christ. I think Hudson Taylor would tell you today those difficulties that he went through, those hard times that he went through, it was worth it to stay faithful to the Lord Jesus. Those tens of thousands of converts that got saved, they would tell you they're glad that he stuck it out. They're glad that he didn't give up after the death of his child and after the death of his wife and that he continued on. Church, you're going to face difficult days. You're going to have times of doubt in your life. And I want to encourage you today, stay busy serving God. Go to where God's called you. Stay busy in that duty. Consider the destiny. Consider your eternity and consider their eternity. Learn to depend upon God. Trust God. Lean on Him. He who has always been faithful will continue to be faithful. And go out and declare what He has done for you. The doubts will be there. But God, God will enable you. God will enable us to continue living for Him. Do you ever doubt? I have and I probably will again. And I hope and trust and pray as I have thought through this message this week. I've prayed, Lord, help me to stay faithful to you. Help me to be busy for the Lord. Help me to uh, stay faithful in my duty. To become interested and concerned about the destiny of those that we may even be jealous of at times. Of those that we may even envy. Of those that we question. To be concerned about their destiny. Learn to depend and lean on the Lord and declare His works. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes today? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Asaph, he gets real with us. He shares his struggles, his doubts. I wonder today, are you here and you're struggling with some doubts, or you have, from the difficulties of life? Perhaps the Lord's working in your heart right now and you can just say in your heart, yep, I've had some struggles. I've had some doubts about some things. Would you encourage you today to 
take the same pathway of this man Asaph. You would come out of this pity party, out of these times of doubt and declaring the goodness and the greatness of God. Then if you're here today, you're not born again. You don't know Christ as your Savior. You've never made a commitment to God trusting the death, burial, and resurrection of God in your heart. If you're here today and don't know about your eternal destiny, where you would spend an eternity, and the Holy Spirit's pricking your heart, grabbing your heart from the inside right now, you can feel the drawing of the Lord this morning. Oh, we'd want you to get that settled before it's too late. Get that settled with God today. We'd love to take the scriptures and show you from God's word how you can know for sure where your eternal destiny will be. How you can have a home in heaven with God one day. The Lord's working in your heart, touching your heart today. We want you to respond here in just a moment in what we call our invitation. I'm going to pray and and after that prayer we're going to keep our heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment and time of prayer and reflection there in your pew, but also giving you an opportunity to respond here at this altar. There's some folks here willing to pray with you, to minister to you, or you can come here and just pray on your own this morning if the Lord's dealing with you today. Father, I pray now that you take this invitation, Lord, and you'd use it for your honor and glory. Lord, we all struggle with doubts and difficulties and hard times questioning why this happened or that happened and why things don't happen to, the, to those in the world or way maybe the, what we're seeing anyways in the world. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. And Lord, how we can take this pathway to declaring your glory. So Lord, I pray that you'd work in our hearts. Help us to respond to you in faith today if you've worked in our hearts. Help us to be obedient to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed today. Would you stand right there where you're at? And as the piano begins to play today, the Lord spoke to your heart. Would you respond to him this morning? The altar's available. We have folks here to deal, help you here at the altar, or perhaps you just want to come and pray to yourself. Would you take advantage of this place today and respond as the Lord is working in your life?